Welcome into the official. We've got a great show for you this week, like always. Um, we're going to do a, an Elite 11 recap. You know, this is, you know, a huge event in the summertime. And it's at, you know, frankly, the game's most important position, both in fantasy and real life. So we're going to talk about all quarterbacks, for the most part, new commitments at the end, uh, per usual. But really go into what happened at the Elite 11. What, that, what does that mean going forward for some of the best quarterbacks in America? This is The Official. All right, all right, here we go. Got the whole team in check. David, I think you have a new mic. Let's hear it for the people. What do you sound like? Check. One, two, one, two. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, it's crisp. It's clean. I like it. Sounds good. Um, all right. We're we're you know, we're cleaning up some of the some of the wrinkled edges here around the official, getting slowly to be more professional, but hopefully you enjoy what we're putting out every week. And just as a reminder. If you haven't checked out homefieldapparel.com yet, we have an affiliate uh, program with them and we have, a, we have a code. So first time buyers at homefieldapparel.com, enter Campus2Canton, gets 15% off your first order. These are uh, college-inspired, vintage-looking tees, but the company works closely with the universities and you know uses some of their new and old logos, very unique aesthetic and very comfortable clothes. So go check that out. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a huge fan of college sports. Um, also, check out campuscanton.com, where we have all your needs for fantasy football on the college side, Debbie, Dynasty, and NFL side. That's campus2canton.com, and membership starting as low as $2.99, and then upgrade from there for more tools, more status, and more access to all of our uh, founders and experts over at Campus Canton. So with all that out of the way, we're going to just do an Elite 11 recap. I think this this was a very unanimous decision for a show. We had the preview a few weeks ago. Now the event has happened. And there is some fallout, I think, with the performances and what we think about some of these guys going forward in the 2022 class. So number one, I'm going to throw it to you, Matt. Can you kind of talk to me about what you care about the most? Now, there's four kind of key events, I think, at the Elite 11. Uh, obviously, you know, these are events mostly on air, um, you know, without kind of that full game experience. So how much are you putting into this? Uh, what, what's your kind of general approach to evaluating what happened at the Elite 11, Matt? Well, I think, you know, although it is on air, I think, uh, if you don't look good against air itself, I mean, I think that's a pretty alarming to begin with. Um, but for me, I think I would probably weigh the pro day workout more. I mean, we got to see it live, uh, you know, evaluate ourselves. You don't have to just rely on what everybody else said, although, uh, you know, our thoughts are pretty in line with what they said as well. Um, but I, I would put more stock into the 7-on-7 seven seven as well, but it was very inconsistent this year. Um, the wide receivers, all, all the good ones left like halfway through. Everyone was tired. Uh, and, uh, you know, several quarterbacks really got the short end of the stick there. On, uh, you know, what should have been you know, an equal playing field quickly got turned into, you know, these guys are getting the better guys. And, you know, it, it, so it, it wasn't good to see. I didn't really like that. 
otherwise, I would put a little bit more stock in seven seven. But I will be excusing some of the uh, really awful performances that did happen because I think that did play a role. Okay, great. Thanks for that insight. And I, I did hear a little bit about that with the seven on seven as well. That later in the day, things got a little bit wonky. Uh, David, what was your general takeaway from the event? I know you guys both watched it. Um, I'm going to defer to a lot of your opinions since you guys, you know, unfortunately we didn't have anyone actually physically there this year, but I know it was televised or streamed and you were able to watch it. So Dave, what, you know, kind of what was your general takeaway from the event and, um, and how much, you know, stock are you putting in this going forward with your rankings? I think some guy, I think there's going to be some shifting for me. Um, I mean, we'll get into it a little bit more, but I, I think we, I think there are things to learn. Obviously we do, we are going to like kind of crutch on the, on the game tape itself, but there's definitely things to learn in these settings. Um, you know, you can kind of get, get their demeanor a little bit. We, we saw the IG, we watched um, the whole entire pro day on IG live. They streamed it for like two hours. So that was kind of cool. You got to see, I mean, the camera is like right up in these quarterbacks' faces, and it's interesting to see. You know, you know, some guys look a little nervous, some guys look real comfortable. So, that, you know, you can learn some stuff from that. I feel like, um, but generally speaking, uh, you know, there are some pleasant surprises as well. And I'll just echo kind of what Matt had already said. You know, like generally speaking, like seventy-seven is, I guess, the closest thing to like real football, but. You know, yeah, it was not it, – it really wasn't that fair at all. Like, they're asking these receivers to run, like, run routes for, like, two hours. It's just – and they're just, like, gassed at the end. And it's just – you know, you saw Lagway got kind of screwed there at the end and and some of the other guys. But, you know, it's – you can – I think there's just, like – you can kind of, like, take some of these narratives, I feel like, and, and kind of run with them and just kind of get to know the players a little better and their personalities. I do think the personality and kind of that, you know, intangible, I know this is going to get a little bit, uh, you know, uh, you know, coach speak, I guess, but, you know, intangible, like leadership, how, how are they rallying the guys around them, things like that. I mean, you know, that will matter on certain situations in real game days as well. So, I mean, you can kind of get a sense for that. Um, all right. So the four events were technically the like the rail shot challenge, the pro day workout, the accuracy challenge, and then the seven on seven kind of game. Uh, setting but again no real pass rush and things like that so that's going to be a lot different but those were the kind of the four main events I think what we wanted to do well first of all I'm just going to get our contest results out of the way so everyone listening either on podcast or watching on YouTube David won the contest he had 10 out of the top 11 the elite 11 correct so you know maybe take his uh, opinion with a little more uh, you know weight because he was the winner Matt was nine out of 11 and I was eight out of 11. Um, and so I finished third as expected because my, you know, my, my rankings were kind of the most off the wall, I think, including Elijah Brown, number one, which was a terrible decision. He didn't even make the elite 11. So um, what are you going to do? Um, all right. So nothing about me, but let's just talk about kind of clearly, I think there's a general consensus top five. And I think let's talk about those guys in a little more detail um, David, I'll throw it to you first. You talked about Julian saying a little bit heading into this event. He really impressed and he won the MVP. So what did you see, you know, when you were watching him and, and what was your takeaway from saying, are you willing to put him as the number one QB in the class yet? Or just, he had a good weekend. 
He's, it's really, I feel like it's pretty close, closer than I actually initially thought. Like I thought he would do really well in this event because it, it somewhat is like a kind of, it kind of is like an accuracy contest to some degree. But like I thought he was super savvy. He moved a little bit better than I was anticipating because like athleticism is pretty much neutralized here, but they're, I mean, they're making difficult throws. They're asking them to make difficult throws on the move and stuff. And he, he looks comfortable doing that. And like the first day, the reports were that his arm, you know, was kind of average, like middle of the pack. But then, you know, some people are like, oh, yeah, he's kind of saving himself like it's strategy. Like, I don't know how to read into that. But then like later on the next two days, it sounded like his arm looked, you know, a little bit stronger and like kind of like the top quarter of this class. So I think he's he's pretty close to Rayola. Obviously, Rayola. um you know, I guess more toolsy and stuff does have a big arm. Um, but I think it's really close. And we, we had to mention, we thought it was between those two. I think it was, it was pretty much back and forth between those two the whole time. So I think they separated themselves. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they do senior year and maybe that'll kind of be my decider. But as of now, I, I kind of have those guys real close. Yeah, I think you texted our, our Slack channel uh, after the first day, maybe some middle of the second day. You're like, yeah, it's it's Saiyan and Rayola and everybody else. I mean, they clearly, like you said, I think they separated themselves as a, as the tier within themselves um, as the most, you know, pro potential college stud guys. Um, so, Matt, Saiyan, top seven in rail shot, highest Pro day workout, second highest accuracy challenge, and then 12th best pass rating in the seven versus seven. So not as good kind of in that simulated game, but I don't know if he was early or late in the day, whatever. Um, highest pro day, pretty impressive. Accuracy challenge, we love to see that. What did you take away from Saiyan, and are you willing to say Saiyan over Rayola just yet? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think the upside is still quite there, but I, I think Saiyan really kind of came out and proved that he's not this – uh, boring pocket passer type, which is with something he's kind of been, you know, like a gen uh, game manager type that he's kind of been labeled as. Uh, you, you know, he was kind of went out there, had fun uh, on the pro day uh, script. The the fifth throw is like the wow throw that everybody does where they roll out to the right and, uh, you know, throw like a 40 yard bomb to the end zone. And he had fun with it. He did like a jump pass in the air. It didn't connect, but, you know, it was still in the area. It just showed, you know, his, he's out there having fun. He still ended up winning the event. Uh, even while doing something kind of silly like that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, before this, I did have Lagway over him, just on the upside alone. Can't do that anymore. Saying for sure, you know, if he's not the best quarterback in the class, he's you know, the second best, I would say. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. I mean, this is echoing some some other things I've seen that industry generally commenting in this in the same way. Um, and, you know, David, I'm guilty of saying he's kind of this, like, boring game manager pocket passer as well. Um, you know, maybe I need to rethink that a little bit. Uh, I also heard um, from a different source, I think it was the 24-7 guys were saying that he kind of kind of was physically a little bit more impressive than maybe people thought. And that arm maybe looked a little bit more live than people thought, because that was my impression from the tape as well. All along the way, it was like, I thought he had a little bit of a noodle, as we like to say, you know, but I think maybe some maturity, you know, these are sometimes junior tapes, sometimes even sophomore tapes. So I think um, at this point he's ready to go into senior year and it's not hard to believe that, you know, he kind of matured a little bit, got stronger and, 
And, uh, you know, really impressive showing from Julian saying another thing I will say, and I kind of called this a little bit heading into the event. I think it's difficult for guys like Rayola or Ewers in his year or some of the other number one guys who come in. Oh, he's going to win. Because I think when people surprise, they get a little bonus points. It may be counting a double, right? So Saiyan comes in and his arm's a little stronger than you think. So instead of saying, well, his arm looked good, you double counted almost. Because like, well, I didn't think it was good. Now it's extra good. And I think sometimes that gives some wiggle room for guys to come in and maybe beat the obviously odds-on favorite. But speaking of Rayola, you know, he was still kind of the consensus number two, I think, for most observers. I think you guys came away saying he's still the number one in the class. Uh, Matt, I'll just go back to you right now real quick. Um, anything about Rayola that concerns you after this or just he's still great and, you know, whatever. It was, you know, neck and neck. Who cares? Uh, honestly, there are a few concerns. I, I think I probably uh, came away a little less high on him than I was going in. Uh, he did have, you know, very high moments at certain points like the pro day workout. Uh, he did very good in the seven on seven versus seven, but uh, accuracy challenge he didn't even make you know top ten. Uh, he wasn't one of the top rail shot guys. Uh, he wasn't top ten in the breakaway data's uh, ball scores that are the the combination mm. of, uh, arm strength. I love and the ball the score release time. So yeah. there, there's a lot of things there that I was expecting him to kind of show up on, and he didn't. Uh, which you know I I still have him as the quarterback one in class. Don't get me wrong. But it just wasn't quite as good as I was expecting, and his consistency wasn't quite there. So, uh, yeah, that, that's about it. I, I still love him, though. And big news this morning, he's going to transfer over to Georgia mm -hmm. for his senior year. He's going to be playing at Buford, which is a you know a major, major powerhouse. Justice Haynes transferred to Buford before last season, balled out, went to Alabama. Now, now uh, Rayola's going to do it, so I may have to get over there and watch a game or two this year up in Buford and see him in person. Um, you know, for the sake of time, I'm going to just skip to the next guy here, Matt or David, and give you a chance to kind of talk about Aaron Noland. Um, I think another kind of consensus-ish number three in this uh, event, certainly kind of a, a top five guy. He plays in the pocket, so he doesn't have that, you know, dual threat that we really look for in the fantasy realm. But – not top seven in rail shots, seventh highest pro day, eighth best accuracy, and ninth best passer rating. Those aren't numbers that jump off the page here. But I think most people say he was, you know, in the upper echelon of the tournament. So what do you think about Aaron Nolan after this week? I think from a performance perspective, he he maybe slightly underperformed or just or just kind of on par, did what, what was expected. But um, I did hear a lot of good things about his intangibles. So um, he was getting a lot of like a lot of support when he was going through the pro day, like other his peers cheering him on, which you can kind of lead read into a little bit. And another little nugget I got was that he was doing like dry reps when he was waiting. He was waiting his turn. So he's sort of mentally preparing himself, you know, which you can also think, you know, it's just a guy that really, you know, he, he really thinks about these things. He's really he's going to prepare on Saturday and stuff like that. So. And then the other other little nugget was that he's put on a bunch of muscle too. So they said he had some added athleticism. One thing we pointed out is that he really doesn't have much rushing yards. I think it was like 100, 150 mm -hmm. yards rushing, something like that. But So that's something to look to, pay attention to as a senior. Maybe he can add some rushing as well. Um, 
But I, I think all in all, yeah, I, he's. I think he's pretty squarely top five for me. Yeah. Well, and just for everyone, you know, if you're listening or watching uh, this show for the first time, just to kind of contextualize our, our concern about rushing, especially Dave and I subscribe to this a lot. But it's not that you have to be, you know, for instance, Lamar Jackson as a runner and put up obscene stats. But we do look for quarterbacks with kind of a minimum, just kind of an athleticism at the high school level. You know, we found that if guys don't at least contribute 10% to the rushing market share of their team, uh, you know, they don't seem to have a great eventual destination in the NFL, just, you know, from our data, the things that we've looked at. And so it doesn't mean you have to be a difference maker, but let's just, for example, David, uh, Dave, uh, Derek Carr had over 10% rushing in high school. This is not a rusher. He is a pocket passer in the NFL. He's a pocket passer in college, but our hypothesis is you have to have just kind of some functional athleticism if you're going to end up being this good at the highest level. So just for example there, we worry about guys with like negative or almost no rushing yards whatsoever, but we do not necessarily think you got to be like 500 or more rushing yards, whatever. Um, <clears throat> all right, Matt, in the sake of time, we'll just take one each here. But Luke Kromanoic generally seems to be a guy that a lot of people thought looked good, uh, finished top five in most – you know, rankings and, and was buzzy heading into the event. Although, you know, his rankings in each event, not terribly impressive. Didn't get top seven in the rail shot challenge. He had the worst pro day workout, ninth best accuracy. But then I think a lot of people walked away saying, wow, he looked really good in the seven V seven fourth best passer rating. There is the hype a little bit overdone here because of the good finish what was your takeaway here from luke kronek who seems to be rising up a lot of boards right now and i do like the guy so you know i'm i'm you know i like him but what do you think uh yeah so i kind of alluded to this at the beginning of the episode when i talked about the uh not performing on air and uh that's something that really has stuck with me with chromanoic i mean uh it not only did he have the worst real shot or not the up uh, the pro day workout by far the worst. Uh, it was the clear worst. I mean, he, he started off with a couple all right throws, but then, you know, he had one bad throw, and it just was down there, downhill from there. He, he was kind of rattled, and uh, it just was not a good look for me coming out of it. Uh, he definitely did bounce back the next day on the 7v7, but, I mean, either the way, it's hard to ignore, like, just how big of a breakdown that that was passing on air. And uh, I think it goes to show his inexperience up at the position. Uh, you know, he's only been playing quarterback for two years now. Uh, but on top of that, he's also one of the older guys in the class. He's going to be over 19 uh, at National Signing Day next year. So old, inexperienced, uh, still kind of having some consistency issues. Uh, so I think all that is concerning. Um, last week, or was it last week? Whenever we did the mock, last mock draft, I said there's four quarterbacks I'll take in the first round. Uh, it's still just those four. Not, He's not, not one of them, and I took him. I took him above. I think. It's no, I will. I will say to give him, you know, his his due. He's one of the highest upside guys in the class. Has a laser arm. Uh, his he's mobile enough. He doesn't have great testing, but he's mobile enough on tape. Uh, there's a lot to like there, but it, it would be you know silly, I think, to ignore these uh, glaring concerns that are right there. I think that's I think that's totally fair, and you know a lot of people talk about guys who are young for the class, like Colin Hurley, and um, I know there's another one. Oh, Trevor uh, Jackson. Trevor Jackson, who may come up later, a little foreshadowing. But um, 
you know, I think to talk about a guy who's really old for the class and compounded by not experienced. I mean, you could look at that two ways, but he's already older. He's inexperienced and, and putting up some of these things in the pro day. I think that's fair. It's a fair critique. But that name, I will say, is rising. I mean, the general consensus is that he is a big riser. I like the fact that you're pumping the brakes a little bit. Um, we will see what happens there. And then finally, kind of rounding out our top five, which I think is kind of a, an amalgamation of the general consensus top five. David, a guy you've liked. I think it's a guy who kind of came out for you and showed out. Will Hammond did finish in the Elite 11, so he was top 11, but I think he was even that upper half of the top 11. He looks good. He looks real good at everything. Top five rail shot, fifth best pro day, sixth best accuracy, and fifth best in the seven versus seven. So kind of consistent every single day. How does this sit with you? What do you think about Will Hammond leaving this event? Yeah, he was really impressive. I think just a really steady guy, performed pretty well across the board. Um, I think the only knock that I heard was just that like some of his deep balls kind of fluttered a bit. So like he doesn't have the biggest arm in the class, but I think it's good enough, especially in, in that spread offense where it's a lot of, you know, horizontal passing as well and stuff like that. But like accuracy, timing, all that stuff. He was a, a smart player from what I saw. They got real up close on him in the, uh, on that IG live. And he just seemed, I don't know. He seemed mature to me. It's hard to explain it. You kind of see it and you're just kind of like, yeah, that guy kind of knows what he's doing. Like he just seemed real calm and, uh consistent and that's you know that's what i look for and Go not to mention he, he he tested real athletically um and you know his rushing market share was actually pretty i think he ran for like 800 yards i think his yeah. rushing market share is like 25 percent or something so he kind of checks a lot of the boxes for me and you know the landing spot obviously is good for fantasy so i'm i'm a fan yeah, no, I think I think you're right. The the momentum is building here on Will Hammond, especially especially in fantasy world, right? Which ultimately is kind of what we are concerned with here at Campus Canton. Like he checks a heck of a lot of fantasy boxes right here, including landing spot, including rushing ability. Um, I'm gonna have to rethink my ranking here, and this I think this was a big week for him, uh, and, and really really eye-opening for Will Hammond. So that that's interesting. And, and frankly, you called it. I mean, you've definitely been talking about him for a little bit. Um, all right. So I kind of ran down the top five. I think for the sake of time, let's just go with like one big winner uh, of a guy that we haven't talked about that didn't necessarily finish super high, but still was a winner. And I will just go first here. And, and my big winner um, is going to be Grunkmeyer. Uh, I think he was a guy I had ranked really low. I did watch the tape on him. I wasn't terribly impressed, uh, but apparently he's a huge arm. I mean, everybody was just talking about how the arm just rips off his uh, fingertips. Um, I think he was pretty accurate. And frankly, the landing spot is pretty nice, you know, in terms of what that QB room is going to look like at Penn State. You've got two years of Aller, but uh, Grunkmeyer will only overlap with Aller for one year. So he'll basically get a redshirt year behind Drew Aller's, in June, Drew Aller's junior year. And then potentially it's him versus Smolik, who was a guy who kind of, um, you know, burst on the scene last year's Elite 11 finals. But, you know, with Grunkmeyer's arm, I mean, they could go from Aller to potentially Grunkmeyer's year two in, in 2025 and really have a nice chain of QBs over at Penn State. So, uh, 
you know, I think that's something to look at. Now, for fantasy, it's tough because he's not going to run. I think he's a big old pocket passer, like we like to say. But um, I think certainly going to probably get a fourth star out of this event and, uh, you know, rise up some rankings and some draft boards. So, Ethan Grunkmeyer, hat tip to you. Matt, who's your big ride? I know who your guy is, but just tell us all about him. Uh, yeah, I, I'll be doing uh, Trevor Jackson here. Um, he did not make the uh, Elite 11's official top 11, uh, which I think is a bit of a sham, to be honest. He went out there, and uh, not only is he have, you know, by far the biggest arm in the class, highest ball score by breakaway data uh, in the past two classes, actually, from all Ooh, the data they put in. Love the so, ball score. That's great. So, a top-end arm. He won the rail shot, which, again, shows off the arm and accuracy. He had, you know, a kind of an average uh, pro day, but out of a guy who's supposed to be this raw prospect, I think average is still a win there. He comes out and did the fifth best in the accuracy challenge, which, again, showing not this, you know, as raw as he's being portrayed as. And then he kind of, you know, he didn't do quite as well in the 7v7, one of the worst performances there. I believe he was in the afternoon session. I don't uh, 100% cr- uh, recall. Maybe David can correct me there if he does. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... I don't think he was given the same amount of grace as someone like you know, Chromanoic was, where he also did really bad in this one event. Trevor Jackson only did bad in one event, and you know the, the upside is, you know, I have to say if Jackson has higher upside, but they both have very high upsides, and uh, Jackson didn't even make the top eleven at all. So I, I was you know a little confused by that. I think uh, I think he's shown enough there to be considered for sure a top ten quarterback in this class. Uh, and isn't he like sixteen? Uh, right now he is sixteen. He's the second. I think youngest. he's currently sixteen, and he'll he's be the second like youngest well, player in the class. Yeah, yeah, he'll be like well under eighteen uh, on signing day. Seventeen point three on signing day. Yeah, so one of the very youngest players, and absolutely the the spot wasn't too big for him. And you've been talking him up. So you know, kudos to both of you guys. I think I feel like I want to say Will Hammond was a little bit of David's guy, but Trevor Jackson absolutely a guy Matt's been talking up here and, and both hit, I think this week. So kudos to you guys. Uh, your evals look really good right now um, on those two guys, especially. And then David, who's your big winner of a guy we haven't quite talked about yet. A big winner that we haven't talked about. Um, so we covered a lot of the guys that I would consider winners. Um after that, I guess I would say, I don't know, man. I, let's just give a quick shout out to my guy, Haas Haney. I, let's do know, it. Let's do it. Did he do amazing? Nah, he didn't do it like amazing. Um, it, the pro day, he kind of struggled a little bit. Like he came out real amped up. Like the first three or four throws or whatever are like kind of like layups, like everyone's hitting those throws. But then like he had like five straight where he just completely sprayed it trying to throw it hundred miles an hour, but he finished off that he finished off that pro day real strong and was just hitting guys right in the hands. So, uh, you know, a streaky passer, I would say, but I think it's consensus, um, across the board that his arm kind of surprised everyone. He didn't really, his arms, arm strength didn't surprise me because I've been watching a lot of his summer clips and you can see that he's just super twitched up and he can generate a lot of torque. Uh, it kind of throws all, his whole body into it, but you know, you gotta do what you gotta do when you're that size, you know, you're five eleven you know, 185. So you got to kind of throw your weight into it a little bit, but yeah, man, he can, he can generate some velocity. And, um, I think his ball score was like third highest. Um, 
But like just to be like honestly, just to be an average passer at this event like that, I feel like it's a win because you're, you're kind of buying into his wheels pretty much, you know, like he's a real good runner, 10 600 meter guy. So I think like you know, he finished top 11 and um you know, he's got the dual threat to boot, so I'd say he's a winner. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. In the sake of time, I do want to quickly go over guys who maybe had stock drop this week. Um, and, you know, my guy just on the first here, and a guy I wasn't terribly impressed with, uh, and, and let's make this quick, but Jaden Davis, I think he might lose a fifth star uh, after this event. I just don't think he's terribly impressive. I don't think he pushes the ball deep. Uh, I think that was kind of confirmed in some of the events here. Um, he doesn't really run, so he's very accurate, but I just I think he's got a very low ceiling. I think he might be safe. He's going to be okay, but I don't think he he's, you know, a, a huge um, high-ceiling prospect. I think he will lose a fifth star. Uh, by, I know he's – I'm pretty sure he's a fifth star right now, but I don't think he's going to end there. So, Matt, who's your guy whose stock dropped after this week? Uh, that's tough. Uh, for me, I, I'm going to cheat here and do two. Sorry, I might be screwing David here. Uh, DeMond Williams and Michael Hawkins, I both had, you know, as low-end Tier 2 guys, as, you know, guys that I expected to be, you know, pretty good high-end rushers the next level, but I thought they'd at least be uh, more functional passers, but both of them, uh, you know, kind of struggled at points. Uh, you know, Williams just didn't excel, really, in any event. Same with Hawkins, really. I think Hawkins did get reportedly have a decent first day, and his arm strength looked finally. So I think DeMond... There was some uh, critique about his arm strength too, which I thought looked good on film, but you know he kind of di it didn't look as good when in comparison to his peers there. So uh, I think both of them combined had you know two of the amongst the worst uh, performances overall, and uh, mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for me to be really invested in either of them going forward. Yeah, I think I feel the same way, David. Any any guy that you'd call out here for? You know, I hate to say the word losers, but just stock kind of dropping after this week. Yeah, I'll just, I'll be brief. I was hoping Pew Glissy would get hot, hot in this event, you know. Everyone, everyone agrees that he's got a, he's got a cannon. I think everyone said that he probably had a top three arm. But, um, you know, he's got a fastball. He doesn't have a changeup right now. He just doesn't have a, lot, a whole lot of touch. I was hoping that he'd come in a little more refined. It's just, he's not there yet. He's going to need time. Um, you know, maybe he'd develops a little bit at Georgia, you know, a great, a good program to develop a little bit. And then maybe he just waits out rail. I don't know, or he just transfers somewhere else and, and just finds a spot that will work for him in the future. And then just quickly, Elijah Brown, just like, uh, you know, statistically and all that stuff, you know, at matter, like if you're at matter day, you have such a good surrounding cast, you're probably going to put up good numbers and, and just like from a physical standpoint. So it's just, I'll just, he's, he's old for the class. He's not athletic and he doesn't have a strong arm. So it's just, I'm not too interested in him. Not great. Not great, Bob. Um, all right. I agree, but that's a great segue into some commitments that we want to talk about this week to round out the show here. Elijah Brown did commit to Stanford, um, I think, a, a day or two after the event. Now, regardless of what you just said about Brown, I do think this is quite a big pull for Stanford. Uh, you know, he is a top 10 quarterback per 24 7, I believe, composite. Um, I think he's still a good player, but yeah, he didn't impress. Um, so just wanted to mention that there. And then um, we've got some names we definitely want to call out. So I'll just throw out 
happened today. Tysier Denmark, wide receiver Penn State. Uh, Matt, you got an opinion on this guy? Uh, yeah, I'm a pretty big fan of him. He was committed to Oregon. Um, he plays out Philadelphia, same high school as uh, Marvin Harrison and uh, Will oh. Fuller. And his head coach has you know, put him in that same tier player. He also has an Ohio State offer. So uh, I think he's really fun, really good after the catch, good route runner, moves really good laterally, very good stop-start mover type. And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to like there going to a pretty open wide receiver room. Uh, yeah, I, I like him. Sounds like my kind of guy. I'm going to have to give him a, a close look here. Uh, you, know, you know I love that change of direction. Um, I'll bring up Tovani Mizell. I know he's a guy like, I remember looking back at our 2024 sneak peek. This was done quite a long time ago, late 2022. We, we were sneak peeking and I thought he looked really interesting. I think this is, is a guy who's really, really had a tough year. I mean, from rankings, he's down to a three-star. He was at one point in top three running back, I think in the, in the 2024 class. And he's now a three-star, both composite and 24 seven individual ranking committed to Kentucky quote-unquote, uh, pursued by Florida and I think another big school, but I think maybe they backed off. I think there's some red flags here. Um, so that's Tavani Mizell. I think on second look, I have been less impressed with him as well. Um, David, do you have one of these names on tap here? Or do you want me to just kind of throw out throw out some names? I can just grab a name, I suppose. Yeah. Um, I, I'll bring up Kevin Riley because he's just – I just want to talk about how confusing he is for me. Like he's so he's running back five in the on three industry rankings. And I don't know. It's just, it's tough. Like, cause I don't really see like a whole lot of standout traits or whatever. Like, I just think, like, I do think he moves well, has pretty good vision and he can catch the ball and stuff. Like he just think he has all right size uh, from an efficiency standpoint, production wise, like six point six 6.4 yards per carry. You know, only 11 touchdowns against pretty weak competition, honestly. 18 SOS in Alabama. Uh, you know, just he's like a 22nd percentile athlete, according to Matt's um, database. It's just, I know he's got, I know he's got all these big offers too. So it's like, I don't know. He's got offers from Alabama, Georgia, everybody. I just don't know if it's warranted. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's because it's kind of a weak class, but, and then Miami kind of has a, there's just like a bunch of bodies there. So I just, I don't know how much I like them. I agree. And, and sometimes when I see guys, I mean, almost like Tavani Mizell a little bit, like where they claim all these offers, but then they kind of sign with a very clearly, you know, second, third tier school based on their offers. I get a little wondering if those offers were like, like, I don't know, in name only or something like that. So Kind of curious there. I think Riley's kind of a straight line guy. He is pretty fast, but I agree. There's not a ton of dynamism, I think, in his profile. Um, uh, Matt, you got uh, Mississippi State, interestingly, got two basically four-star receivers in Braylon Burnside and J.J. Harrell. Uh, any opinion on them? I watched both. I wasn't terribly impressed. J.J. Harrell has some uh, putt return ability, which you know I always kind of take note of. But uh, generally speaking... You know, I think they're just guys. And uh, so you can comment on those or bring up a new guy. We have so many. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, really I, I don't have anything else. I mean, I think you nailed it. I'm not a fan of either, honestly. Uh, new look Mississippi State offense. We'll see what happens there. But not guys I'll be pursuing. Um, I think two guys that I can knock out pretty quick here that I think are uh, have some Debbie upside but are also going to situations where I think they could be pretty high-end CFF producers. 
Um, oh, if, uh, I'm going to butcher this name. I apologize. I, I tried to look up video of someone saying it, but I couldn't. It was, <laughs> was available because he's a smaller name player in the class. So, Ohifame Ijiboy, I believe you Not bad. It. Not bad. Uh, running back, committed to Minnesota. Um, and he recently showed out at the, I believe it was the UC Reports Pennsylvania camp where they did, and he had a you know, 130-inch broad jump, really high vertical jump. So he's a pretty explosive guy, uh, you know, these typical size, speed, explosive guys we go after going to Minnesota who, you know, definitely loves pounding the rock uh, unless they change that up anytime soon. So I definitely like that. And then uh, Jamie Tremble going to uh, Syracuse, the younger brother of Tommy Tremble, third-round pick to the Panthers mm-hmm. tight end. Um, and uh, he's also a freak athlete. Uh, he has a 100th percentile burst score in our database. I think he had... Uh, do you remember what the broad jump was? It was over 11 yeah. feet. It's uh, crazy. 11 foot Ooh. four, I think. Yeah, yeah 11 That's foot four inch crazy. broad jump at 205 pounds. Uh, he reportedly ran a 4.5 a couple weeks ago at a Miami camp. Going to Syracuse where they've shown they can kind of you know really produce with these tight end wide receiver hybrids. He's kind of a tweener at this point. Uh, obviously, long term, he projects the tight end. But I think you know not only can he get drafted off his athleticism, he can definitely be you know, a really good CFF player there at Syracuse. Okay, I like that call. Um, and then we got a couple more names we've highlighted here. There's a ton of commits. I mean, we probably can't even get to everybody. And, uh, but I wanted to bring up Austin Simmons. This is a crazy recruiting story. Um, a 2025 quarterback who was old for his class, but there were he was committed to Florida. He's out of Pahokee, which is you know down in the Central Florida area. Committed to UF, and then there was rumors he would he would uh, switch classes, but not to 2024, all the way to 2023. I don't think I've ever heard of a guy bumping up two classes. Uh, apparently, he was so old for his 2025 class, though that he was he's basically now age appropriate for 2023, uh, which is kind of wild. But he, 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 he switches classes, so now he's in 2023, and he trans, he flips his commitment from Florida to Ole Miss. So now he's going to be going to Ole Miss. Now about the player, you know, we haven't talked about him at all because he hasn't been in the 2023 class, but he's a left-handed dual-threat guy out of uh, uh, kind of uh, the muck, if you will, in Pahokee down in Florida where tons of athletes are produced every single year. Um I think he's an interesting prospect. I honestly haven't had, don't have a fully formed opinion about this guy yet, but I have watched some tape when he committed to Florida. I was curious. Uh, he is a dual threat guy. His arm looks pretty good. Um, you know, have you guys taken a look at this? I know he, he was two classes away, so we haven't really looked at him yet. Anybody have an opinion on Austin Simmons? Uh, kind of a crazy story, and I'm sure we'll be talking about him more uh, in the next couple months. We, we both do, but you can take it, David. I think we okay. have pretty much the same opinion on it. Yeah, we were discussing him uh, yeah, a couple of days ago. I, I actually think he has a really strong arm. It looked like to me. Like the guy was slinging it all over the place. Apparently he has a 97-mile-per-hour uh, fastball. So, like, I mean, that's pretty incredible. Uh, I don't know. He's planning on playing baseball, too. I don't know how big of a baseball prospect is. I don't know if we're going to get a Deuce Robin situ- situation on our hands. But, like, um he, I don't know. I, like, like you said, like I haven't gone through all his tape. I haven't watched full games. I've just kind of like gone through some of the highlights and it's like, it's hard for me, you know, with the dual threat ability and the strong arm and everything else. It's like, I wonder if he would have been pushing top 10 for me in the 2023 class, but I, you know, I don't, I won't, I don't have a fully formed opinion either. I just think that he's, 
you know, between he's got a huge brain, huge arm, he's mobile, he's checking a lot of boxes, so he's definitely interesting. And something I'll add on. It up. The, the Demond's poor performance at the Elite Eleven definitely has me more hopeful for his uh, future outlook at Ole Miss. I, I think, I'm, yeah, I think he's and probably the guy over Demond coming in next year. He'll be younger than that's Demond with more experience at Ole Miss. So, isn't that like that's what's crazy? Like all of a sudden he's enrolling in three months. Demond isn't for a whole other year. It's just like he jumped two classes. It's just kind of like wild, honestly, to think about it because like. He's actually the class that we have not even talked about anymore. He's 2023. We don't even talk about that class anymore. Like, it's just wild. Um, like, he'll be on campus in, in, a, in a month. Um, so, yeah, some guy – I mean, we'll, I, I guess maybe even the Debbie guys will start talking about him maybe more than we really have a chance to. Uh, all right. I'm just going to open the floor. You guys just jump in with some more names. Maybe take one or two each, and then we'll call it a day. It's, it's getting long in the tooth here. I can just wrap this up real quick here if you guys don't mind. Uh, Freddie DeBose commit to Texas. Uh, I actually talked about him on our first 2024 show like a year ago. Uh, he tore his ACL week one of last season, so didn't really play junior year at all. Super fun sophomore tape, freak athlete. Uh, you know, he just ran a four, uh, 48-second 400-meter uh, coming nine months off an ACL injury, which is an 80th percentile time. Uh, he's a 47-foot triple jumper. So super bursty, explosive athlete. It shows up on the tape, uh, and I'm hoping he can rebound nicely from his injury. Don't love him going to a pretty crowded wide receiver room, though. Uh, hopefully he, he ends up flipping, though. I prefer that. Uh, Boo Carter, Tennessee. Uh, he'll be playing DB. But he might he might be end up playing some offense. But a really high-ranked guy uh, who's listed athlete, so I figured it was worth at least mentioning him. He will be a defensive back at the next level. And then the last one here is Miles O'Neal quarterback going to Texas A&M. Uh, I talked about him on the Elite 11 preview show as a guy that I wish uh, was at the Elite 11 who didn't get an invite, but I don't think he worked out any of the camps. Uh, you know, either way, I do like him going to an offense that should at least be better uh, you know, going forward than it was previously because it can't get much worse than that. Yeah. Um, I don't. I wouldn't grade him higher than Marcel Reed at the moment, but I think you know they're comparable talent-wise at least, so I think he has you know, a shot. But, of course, it's Texas A&M, so they'll probably throw money at somebody, and they, neither of them will start. So, Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for – I know uh, you did more stuff than I even realized for Elite 11 and, and took, uh, took notes, watched the camp, uh, that whole thing. So thanks for all your insights there. Um, great show. I appreciate it. As always, this is The Official. We'll see you next week. Oh, my God.